When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participation restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. Hello and welcome back to Talk of the Tune, a Newcastle United podcast. My name is Will, and as usual, I'm joined by my good pals and co-hosts, Alex and Hodge. How are you, lads? You sound a bit hungover. It's husky, I think, yeah. Husky Too is much what shouting for, yeah. watching the Tune game yesterday. Too much <laughs> shout. I am talking to absolute knackers in a fucking pub in Bermondsey as well. This one lad was just off his absolute tits and told me he was a Millwall fan about 15 times. It's like, I know, mate. <laughs> you keep telling me. How are we doing, though? Yeah, I know you said you're both all right. Good weekend so far? Yeah, not too bad. Not too oh, bad. It's been cunning. Not been any of it exciting until the football happened yesterday and it all went a bit downhill. And then rapidly uphill and then downhill again. Yeah. But more importantly, Gray, uh, what's your favourite type of biscuit? Favourite biscuit? Ooh, that's a good one. I do like a, uh, is it Fox, the Golden Fox's cream thing? Like the. What they call like a Golden Crunch or something? Yeah, Golden Crunch, yeah, those. Is that what they're they're called? they're, They're pretty good. Golden Crunch, final answer? Yeah, probably good Golden Crunch. Fair enough. Monsieur Hodgson, you've had some time to consider your options. What what are you Uh, going for? Herb nibs. Like a a good good herb nib. Avec le chocolat. Yes, indeed. I. As they actually do really good ones that are like fake ones, but they're actually better than the actual original hobnobs. So they're all made in the same factory, aren't they? Which way do you eat it? Do you have chocolate up or chocolate down? Chocolate up. It's always chocolate up. What are you on about? Don't tell me you. Do you face it downwards? I, I've heard people say that they eat it downwards, which just blows my mind. I mean, I don't. I don't, I don't get it. I just shove it in and I don't breathe and then I, and then I go for the next one. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't, sometimes I don't even know what way it goes in. But... Oh, fuck it. We're still talking about biscuits here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for asking, lads. Uh, I'd probably say that mine would be uh, a Tunnock's Caramel or, you know, what they call like the Viennese, is it like a Viennese finger? The one with like the biscuit on the outside, then it's got like a middle, like a bit of chocolate running through the middle. They're dead nice. Yeah, uh, sounds like a chocolate eclair or something. Yeah. No man, our cultured listeners will of course know that you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I think you'd probably go for a tunnock's caramel. Anyway, that's enough about biscuits. Obviously, been a long time since we've released. We have actually done a couple of recordings, but work commitments have prevented me from doing any fucking editing, unfortunately, because I've got to make that money somehow, and we're certainly not making it from this fucking podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Donations welcome. Uh, but yeah, so we did, a, we did a, um, a takeover special, which now seems a bit out of date, which is why it's not being released. But yeah, we're well, hopefully we're back with a bang now, get back into the some form of flow. 
But obviously, I think the last time Hodge we released an episode was the twenty second of September. Twenty second of September. So quite a lot has gone on since then. Namely, the fucking takeover. We're now the richest fucking football club in the world. Never gets old saying that. Of course, chronological order. Takeover happens. Brucey doesn't go. Brucey doesn't go. Brucey doesn't go. Brucey finally goes. With his big old um, paycheck, with his golden Golden goodbye, golden handshake, whatever. See you later, alligator. Worth every penny of the eight million quid. Graham Jones has temporarily taken charge as the caretaker manager, and he's had three games now. Uh, So Crystal Palace, Chelsea, and then most recently Brighton yesterday. So we're recording on the Sunday, Sunday the 7th. Mixed bag, well, two 1-1 draws and a 3-0 smashing to Chelsea. But I guess first topic of conversation, most exciting and best to talk about the actual takeover itself. So seemingly completely out of the blue after 18 months of back and forth and not knowing what the hell's going on and legal cases and arbitration and etc 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 it finally happens the celebrations i think there's still probably drunken geordies on the street outside st james's park now i hear sam fender's still drunk <laughs> fender see him on the news the next morning <laughs> i'm very very hungover <laughs> well deserved though i mean 13 years of absolute shite i think we get uh, we fully deserve the celebration but yeah, amazing scenes. Finally, it happens. Just the absolute relief. What are our thoughts? I don't think we've had a chance to, to really share our thoughts. Hodgie, we'll, we'll kick off with you. Pretty damn good. <laughs> I mean, I've I've had conversations with loads of like football fans who, who I know who are like for opposition clubs and stuff. And they all just go like, well, what do you feel? But then they always bring it back to, oh, but is it morally right? And I'm like, we're not the moral compass of the whole Football league, Premier League, whatever. Like we're just a club that like just deserves something a bit better. So I'm just, I'm just absolutely over the moon. And if people want to be jealous, like the clubs like uh, Spurs and and Liverpool, who were still even at the the death of of it, of it not gonna of it uh, going through, they were still trying to put it off and still trying to do something about it and make it not happen. And it's just just been a joke. But I'm just over the moon. I, it's just nothing can ever be simple and nothing can ever really go fully our way. I mean, takeover goes through after, you know, more than a decade of terrible football ownership or football club ownership from Mike Ashley. Um, everyone, you know, prior to the takeover would say, you know, Newcastle deserve better. You know, Newcastle, you know, I like Newcastle. Newcastle are great. And as soon as that happens, people have got to complain. They only liked us because we were no threat, really. I reckon so. You That's a good mean? point, actually. That's a good point. Now everyone's saying we're going to be fucking winning the Premier League in five years' time or whatever. But then the, the next thing was like around the Steve Bruce sacking. I'll come back to takeover in a minute, but just more to that point, like you can't argue with how bad his results were and you know how bad a manager he was, but suddenly everyone turns on us um, because we're awful people and we've hounded them out and you know, it's all these I mean, I don't agree with a lot of the personal personal insults and a lot of the personal things that have been said about Steve Bruce, but you know, if we measure him on his results Anyone doing that badly in a job deserves to leave, but they just can't be happy for us. Uh, there's always got to be a problem. What do you reckon, Gray? I think, oh yeah, to start with Steve Bruce, I mean, I just work with football, as everyone says, and like, he, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he was true to his word that he's never going to walk out of the club. But in a results-driven business like football, especially football, there comes a point where, unfortunately, he has to go if he's not providing results. And he never really delivered the results. We'd always been scrapping for well, in a relegation scrap, hadn't we? Uh, we'd never sat comfortably in the league. So, yeah, change of, uh, change of ownership 
inevitably is going to lead to that change. Uh, I think we'll, we'll talk about what's coming shortly. But in the takeover itself, it is it's very exciting. It's also shown a huge amount of hypocrisy in the football world, namely coming from Spurs fans, Man United fans, who forget that Spurs were almost taken over by a Saudi consortium three years ago. And I bet they would have been singing and dancing if that had gone through. And also Man United have also been funded by Saudi money for the last five or six years in a sponsorship mm-hmm. deal. So they can't really say anything about moralities behind this. People like Chelsea as well. So obviously Roman Abramovich is, you know, I don't think, the, the leading light of, you know, setting good examples. You've got other Middle Eastern owned clubs, uh, other Chinese funded clubs as well. You know, suddenly everyone's you know, jumping on us, but need to probably take a bit of a look at themselves. There's so many, so many firsts I feel have happened, like as part of this takeover, stuff that you've just never seen before. First of all, it, it being knocked back, the process, the actual due diligence, what I was going to say, the owner directorship tests, everything. It's all just mad and all stuff that we've never seen before because seemingly all takeovers previously in the Prem have, have gone through quite seamlessly. And then all this stuff's really started kicking up and now this sports washing suddenly being brought into it. And now everyone's talking about the morality of, you know, the ownership and human rights issues that have never, ever been covered and never mentioned for any other football club. So why is it suddenly starting now? Yeah, I, I still think that it was going to go through before we hit the arbitration trial because I still believe there are other clubs that play in the decision. Uh, I'm not going to say who those clubs were, but... Probably uh, those <laughs> clubs who wanted to to leave uh, said league um, a few months ago. Yeah, nothing happens there. But anyway, yeah, I kind of feel that a lot of messages would have come out, text messages, emails to Richard Masters, and they would have uh, found quite a few clubs in breach of the competition and that the way that the Premier League make their decisions on these on these tests. Mm. and it's not really surprising to see it actually go through in the end as we were getting closer and closer to the the court date. Yeah, I guess uh, the overarching message is fuck all that, it's actually happened and now we're the richest fucking football club in the world so you can kick and and scream and squeal as much as you want but Newcastle United is a future powerhouse of European football yeah? Sure, we'll we'll go with that Everyone appreciate it, it's great for English football we're going to have some of the best teams, players in the world competing in what everyone says is the greatest football league in the world and it's going yeah. to add an extra ounce of excitement to it instead of having the top six or, well, you can argue that Arsenal aren't really challenging for much at the minute, so top five who are pushing for to win the league and pushing for Champions League. We're going to, we're going to throw ourselves into that mix in a couple of years and it's, it's going to open it up a little bit more. Who knows, other clubs could follow suit as we see the competition stepping up. So I think it's very exciting for football in general. It's going to be interesting, but there needs to be a whole bit of patience about it. And what Newcastle fans like to do is like, <laughs> most of us like to get ahead of ourselves. And I think since obviously the, the takeover's happened, the, the results still haven't been coming in because we've still got A, the same team, pretty much the same kind of tactical um like things happening formations wise and and just basically booting the ball long, but people were like against the Chelsea game. They were like, "Oh, I think we could take Chelsea." And you're thinking, you can't, you can't get ahead of yourself. Chelsea is on number one in the in the country at the minute. They're also champ, current champions of Europe. Like we're not going to turn them over. And people were getting really pissed off when we lost three nil, but managed to take sixty minutes ish before they actually could break the deadlock, which. To be fair, I thought it was not too bad. There needs to be, like, because we could still, still even go down this season. 
it's it's still a big possibility. And how do you bring people into a good players into a club that currently at the minute as we speak today sit second bottom? And I just I really hope people don't get ahead of themselves and what and just expect us to be as soon as January hits and we make four or five transfers if we can of good quality players that would they go right okay well we've got to finish tenth now. I I just hope. Hope it's not going to be that case. It needs need to be really, really realistic. Yeah, I don't know how you feel about that, Gray, as well. Yeah, I think we we all do it. We all get very excited very easily, and it's hard not to. But yeah, it's it's not going to change overnight. And I think I think we we can be realistic because if we don't see probably some statements uh, in in January, if we're still struggling, then the mood may swing a little bit. But I think yeah, we're just going to be patient and we've got to trust that they've got a plan and know what they're doing and bring the right people in to, to guide them along the way. Mm-hmm. Well, the plan seems to be how, by the looks of it. I mean, he was there for the Brighton game just gone yesterday. Deal pretty much seems done. He's, he's sat there with uh, with his right-hand man and next to Amanda Staveley, so the deal looks almost as good as done. I'm sure they're just ironing out what, what they're going to pay him, <laughs> what they want him to do, I suppose, in, in this time. But what do you feel about how? Who is his right-hand man, by the way? Who was that guy sat next to him? Tyndall. Someone t- oh, is it Jason Tyndall? I think I recognise that name. He took over Bournemouth when Howard sacked and he's been, is it Sheffield or something like that more recently? Oh, right. I, I couldn't figure out whether it was his like, potential assistant or it was like his agent or something. But it must be, no, yeah. it's, it's his right man in yeah. terms of like, coaching. So I wonder what that means for Graham Jones then, because Graham Jones, was he, he wasn't Eddie Howe's assistant, but he was on the coaching staff, wasn't he? He's never worked with Eddie Howe. He's not, he's never. He's Has he never, not? He's never worked with Eddie Howe. Oh, so he was at Bournemouth after Howe? Yeah, so as Howe left, Jones came in and he's worked with Tyndall. Oh, oh, okay, there's the link. Okay. Yeah, but he's never actually worked directly with Howe. And uh, the club is saying that he's basically secured his position uh, if he wants it. What Jones has? Yes, I think Jones will. They they almost want that continuity. So the reason why Lee Charlie's still at the club is because they want that handover. Yeah, uh, per se, and I think they want the same with the football side. So Jones will be guaranteed a job for the, like, the next six months or so while they hand things over. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I like. I mean, I like Graham Jones. He's, his quality is obviously there to be seen, just for the number of jobs he's been given and you know the trust. And he's obviously quite highly rated in the footballing community. He's worked with you know he's if he's worked with this Jason Tyndall guy, that's great. You've got good cohesion there already. Um, and obviously, you've got Eddie Howe's presence on the players that we already, or his influence on the players that we've already got here. So, obviously, he's worked with Wilson before. He's worked with Fraser. He's worked with Richie. Although, is there, ba- is there supposed to be bad blood between Fraser and Howe? Um, Hodge, you, uh, was it Gray? you were saying something. I can't remember who it was, but he, he obviously, ref- Fraser refused to sign the new deal at Bournemouth. So, uh, his yes. contract expired in June, I think, of the season when it was COVID-impacted. So he left the club in June, even though the season went on till August. Oh, yes. I remember now, yeah. So that'll be an awkward, like, oh, hello, Eddie. Uh, oh, hello, Ryan. <laughs> you <laughs> but, imagine? I don't think he yeah, can ever but, please Ryan Fraser. He's just an angry little man, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I what a fucking fall from grace. There was so much promise when he came in. You're thinking, like, we've got him on an absolute bargain. He's coming for free. It's just just done nothing back to the question hand how how do you see it going for how <laughs> how how <laughs> how man uh how do i see it going for how well i'm very excited by it because i think he is a he's a tactical coach 
which is what we've been seemingly missing for a very long time. I think maybe spoke about this. I think I was speaking about it last night. I can't remember I was speaking to you lads about it, but there's two pieces to the puzzle, really. You've got, you need to have someone on the pitch who is able to get the best out of the players, obviously, and play the best tactics and actually have an approach and preparation and have a game plan. But the other side of that is you need to have good structure in the form of something like a director of football, which I know is being touted quite a lot at the minute, because is Eddie Howe the right person to be given 190 million or, you know, quid to in January? Would you not rather him focus on the football on the pitch? You know, the getting the best out of the players, playing the best formations, having a game plan as I say and then leave that side of the of the football club to like a director of football I think you see it all the big clubs that's how it's handled from what I can kind of see you've got these big teams directors of football and you know recruitment teams that, that handle that and leave the manager or I should say head coach to do all that stuff so I think there's two answers to it yes I'm excited by that element I think young exciting manager he's really likable as well I mean you wouldn't find anyone at Bournemouth who would have a bad word to say about him and we, we need someone who's likable I think it's true the, the wider football industry everyone says he's a great bloke really he's a great him. and yeah everyone speaks very highly of him so I'm excited about that, uh, but I think it's important that we bring in like an experienced director of football. There's lots of names being going around, but I think there's also an element where you think, is this kind of phase one? Um, is this phase one of the process? You know, Unai Emery was seemingly quite close, or the deal seemed quite close, then he's obviously decided to stay at Villarreal. I think, Eddie Howe, is he going to be a Pep Guardiola type manager? Is he going to be an Antonio Conte? You know, is he going to be a, a Jose Mourinho don't know quite yet. Is he going to be a Champions League manager? Obviously, providing we, we get ourselves to that stage, I'm not sure. Or is this kind of steadying the ship, getting the football club in a very, very strong position, You know, stripping everything back, starting again, and getting us in a really healthy position? I don't know if he's going to be the one to kind of take us to the higher echelons, should we get there, if that makes sense. I don't see why he couldn't be that man, to be honest. I think he's obviously still very young in terms of his management career. He's only, is he 46? He looks about fucking 26. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's younger than me, for fuck's sake? He's 43. 43. 43. So, yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry, Eddie. <laughs> yeah. There's no reason why he couldn't take his son next level. You look at what he achieved, one of taking them from League One to the Premier League for five years. That was an incredible feat with a pretty small club at the time. And Bournemouth have been regulars in, in the Premier League for the last five years and not currently high-flying in the championship at the minute. Uh, he's, he's obviously managed to produce a solid club. Different and- kettle of fish, though, I reckon. I think it's all good. Yeah, what I'm, what I'm touching on is he's obviously got Bournemouth in a very healthy position as they are now, but he's not had any experience of, of that level of football. Whereas I think you probably do need someone when you're looking to take that step up. But where where do where do managers get experience at that level? They they need to be given that time and opportunity to get us to that level. And he, and or having played in the competition itself. Yeah, that that's true. But then not all players go on to become world class managers. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah. So what Lampard? What happened to Lampard at Chelsea? Found out his first management gig, but he didn't really set the world alight, did he? Well, that's the thing as well, because Frankie Lampard, obviously big. Champions League player, he got his break at Derby, didn't he? So he did a good job at Derby and then he's seemingly gone too soon to Chelsea. Do you see that maybe happening with, with like an Eddie Howe? Or, um, yeah, I'm not too sure, but in my mind, I'm kind of viewing it, as I say, as phase one and that's getting the club 
back on the straight and narrow. Hodgie, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think um, it's kind of a, a good time for maybe him to come in. It's a good person for us to kind of go for. He's going to have a little bit of freedom with some some good players and players that he has worked before, Wilson, and then he's obviously going to have to do something with ASM to get him back into ball at his feet where he can run at people rather than just chasing long balls. But it's, like you say, like phase one is you've got to get this club back on the straight and narrow and don't look any further than the end of the season and just be like, look, it needs to be 17th at least to finish. And, and that that's all it is right now. And if he if he comes in and, and stables a ship and gets us to where we need to be after two years or two and a half years is what his contract is, then we can maybe have a look for people like Emre, uh, Unai Emery and, and, and others who can who can give us that next step up. I mean, people who have got probably Europa and potentially Champions League pedigree in them is, is the next step. But right now, I think Eddie Howe is a good kind of person to put in at home. Sounds like you agree with me then, Hodge. Yeah, that's a good, uh, yeah. good, good standpoint. <laughs> let's let's see what happens. I think he deserves a chance, and like I completely agree with what Hodge was saying. Completely the right man for the job. I think we were. I think we all called for his name before Bruce mm. uh, joined the club. So we were mm. we were asking for it. For... It is quite funny though because I was listening to the last podcast that we did, and me and you will both said, "Would you have how?" And we're like, "Yeah," because he's not Bruce. Would he be your first? Yeah. Would he be? Would he be your first name on the sheet to take over? No, but that's kind of what's happened. He wasn't the first name, but if he does come in, still not kind of over the line yet. But if he does come in, that's that's what has happened. We're football geniuses, you and me. <laughs> they obviously try to set the sights a little bit high. Uh, it's yeah. been knocked back because who wants to come to a club that's struggling right at the bottom of the Premier League? Who also wants to come to a club after they've clearly stated that Emery is the, the number one choice? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes things very awkward. Like, And it, it's just, I'm, I'm a bit sick of fucking people trying to mug us off. You know what I mean? Like, we've, we've obviously become this powerhouse. Well, we will be this powerhouse. The resources we have available to us. And then people are still knocking us back. You've got Unai Emery. I think Villarreal are like, mid-table at the minute in La Liga like not set in the world like obviously he's a Europa you know he's a Europa League genius but great opportunity for him to come in and kind of claw back some some reputation from his ill-fated uh, stint at Arsenal but why have you got to mug us off like that so it seems like the three names that have been in the mix have been Paolo Fonseca Unai Emery and Eddie Howe if we go back to the very start point and you could have a choice of either of the three of them who do you reckon you would uh, who do you reckon you'd plump for Gray it's a tough one because Given the situation we're in, it just cries out for a Premier League experience, which would leave Howe, Emery, and he did okay at Arsenal. I think he, I think he was sacked after a rim, rim ratio of like fifty percent as well. Yeah. Uh, mm. So I think he was, he was treated pretty harshly there. Yeah, I, th- I, think, um, I, I don't think he got the credit really deserved when he was at Arsenal. And he's clearly got a knack for winning trophies. You can see that uh, for Europa League last year. Um, so. If we were sitting a little bit higher at the table, yeah, he could have been... For me, the correct decision has been made in bringing in Howe. But like you say, he, he definitely would have been the first name on the, on the sheets. I quite like the approach they've taken, like because Fonseca, Emery um, and Howe, all young managers. Also known for playing attacking football as well. Exactly, quite stylish. There's definitely similarities you can draw between the three of them, and I quite like that. Fonseca, 
he seems like just a bit of a mad character. You see him at his press conference not long ago when he's dressed up as Zorro. No. <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers. I can't remember what game it was after, but he's uh, yeah, quite famous for his bit of a meme for coming to press conference dressed as Zorro. I was going back through his like uh, his stats, and you know he's been in Ukraine, he's been in Portugal, Roma, of course, most recently. Good caliber, but I'm not sure he's ever really set the world alight. Unai Emery, obviously great in Spain, had that time at PSG, which, you know, with the players they had and the money they had, they're always going to do well. I think he's been in more credible leagues than, than Paolo. Yeah. I mean, obviously Italy, decent league with, with Roma, but Shakhtar Donetsk, I mean, they play in the Champions League, but they always get beaten. They only, and then in yeah. the rest of it was all in Portugal, which, you know, is a bit of a farmer's league when you get to about fourth onwards in the table. Like, it's always Porto, it's always Benfica, it's always Sport and Lisbon, isn't it? So, I think to have Unai Emery, who's been at Valencia, good league, Sevilla, good league, PSG, obviously good league, Arsenal in the Premier League as well. So I think it would have to be Emery if he, if he went after his credentials. Okay, so you'd, you'd be plumping for Emery. Uh, Gray, you'd be going for Howe. Yeah, I'd probably be going Emery as well, you know. But I'm also very happy and very excited for Howe coming in. So I think he's going to be a, he'd be the right man to, or hopefully the right man to, to steady the ship. In terms of what we think needs doing to the club, obviously we've got couple of months yet until we can start splashing the cash hopefully and spending our war chest are there any immediate changes or you know we obviously had to pay for fucking bruce and his lot there's lot to go even though it seems like which of his i saw steve one of the steves is still there I can never tell whether it's steve clements or steve Ag- i think it's steve clements is still there don't know what happened to steve agnew if he went as well but it seems that quite a few of the, the backroom staff are still obviously there and that'll be until eddie howe comes in have there been any immediate changes yet, apart from cleaning the windows? <laughs> cleaning the windows. Um, I, I did read something earlier saying that they've they've put something like thirty something million already in investment. Uh, nothing was major, you know what I mean? There wasn't. There wasn't like, oh, they've just gotten a new youth coach or whatever. Well, actually, yeah. to be fair, they have. I got that lad from from Sunderland. Apparently, everyone's been uh, raving about. But they've always had a decent academy. Like it's it's always been a bit newer. Newcastle has been pretty poor at that um, place. Is it Benton Lane or something? Where is it? The Blue Star. But that's where we need to start. Um, obviously, before anywhere near January, we need to start and have a look at what we can do in terms of coaching behind the scenes for people that are going to potentially be the next starting eleven in, in 10 years' time. Yeah, great. What have I told you about playing with that squeaky toy when we're recording as well? Sorry, I just can't help myself, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yep, you're, you're right, Hodge. I think there are definite and immediate ways you can invest a bit of money. And first of all is our woeful, I think, training facilities. You know, we're, we're famed or it's, a, again, a bit of a meme, you know, looking at Premier League footballers taking ice baths in fucking wheelie bins. I mean, that, that's level we're, we're talking at, you know, far behind on, on that side of things. So I think me, money needs to go into that straight away. Look at what people like Leicester City have done. Their training ground, if you look at it, is absolutely fantastic. And that's all stuff you don't, you know, you don't have to wait for that stuff. You just well, crack we, on straight we, away. We've got planning permission for it, haven't we? Like, Ashley went in, like, designing this with a £120 million training facility. Was it probably about eight years ago? I just constantly put a hold. Like you said, he wanted to make it, us to have the best training facilities in the country so that we could attract some of the best players. But Wait, are you trying to say that Mike Ashley was full of shit? I don't, be- Never. I don't believe you for a second. So we've also got the plans and I think probably a lot of thought has been gone into it, but 
they spend the next six months redesigning those, bringing up-to-date technology and that sort of thing. And it'd be yeah, yeah, I need to up the, up the training facilities straight away. Youth youth academy that needs a, a major investment. I think the stadium itself. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the picture or if you've ever been to like Tottenham's, like the Tottenham Hotspur mm. Stadium. It's yeah, like it absolutely fun. fantastic inside. Whereas ours Boy, is just a. Uh, ours is just a, a block of concrete. I mean, it's yeah one of the best. It's one of the best stadiums in the world in terms of atmosphere. But you know, once you get into the guts of the stadium, it's just grey. Oh, grey. Uh, <laughs> and we've got things like tiny little televisions on the walls, and you know, it's just like wires through it everywhere. Like everything's falling apart. So bad, like man. it's yeah, it's it, it needs a bit of a refresh. I think I mentioned it on the the one we recorded, but didn't release. The stadium is a really good place to start, just to improve the fan experience. And at the minute you go inside to see the breeze box is built out of, it is literally a blank canvas. So actually, let's instead of investing a billion and bankrupting ourselves like Spurs have done, let's just go <laughs> get get so get some clever interior designers to go and actually think about our fans' experience when they enter the ground. Because it is effectively a blank canvas since they extended it. So put a lick of paint on the walls, man. Something like posters. Right. Put posters up. Put something up. Have more things happening inside. Just like, needs sprucing up. Renovate it? the bars. The lot. Like uh, it just needs a good old spruce thing. up. And you know, you're, you're totally right, Gray. Like it's a fan experience. I mean, ready to pop the question. The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app, at participation restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I think we deserve it now. Like, I mean, don't want to get too, you don't want to get into the, the realms of sounding entitled, but just be nice to enjoy the actual experience of, of, outside of watching the match, obviously, but like half time, you know, could be a destination before the game type thing. But I was just about to say that. If you improve the experience and you, and it's open before and after the match, it brings in that additional revenue. Because we've got 100%. great pubs and stuff around and outside, but no one ever really goes for like an hour before kickoff. No, you know, just arrive I mean, there about 10 minutes before, maybe especially just in time for one pint, if you can get served. If not, you're straight to your seats. Uh, nine bars always been shite as well. One thing I want to talk about is how absolutely gassed uh, our new non-executive chairman was when he came to the the, the Spurs game. Yasser Al Ramayan. Do you see his face when like he was on the screen? Everyone was the atmosphere. It seemed obviously I'm watching watching on the telly from from home in London, but it seemed like the atmosphere was just absolutely electric. And Callum Wilson scoring after the second minute, I thought my head as well as 52 other thousand Geordie's heads were just going to absolutely explode. Like the, the level of excitement, unbelievable atmosphere, especially for kind of a first impression for, for the new owners coming in. War flags are back in the stands as well. The the flags and the murals and everything they've got, they're finally back in the stadiums after their Mike Ashley boycott. So exciting, ruined a little bit by the result and by the performance. Um, but, you know, 
I can't even say there were signs there because we've gone on to have very mixed results ever since. But January is obviously going to be the, the first real test. I don't think we want to get necessarily get into the details of transfers and what we think is needed at the minute. I think we'll save that for another podcast. But I don't know whether it's worth just quickly touching on the Brighton result yesterday, just while it's fresh on our fresh on our minds. I think we're all yeah, watching yeah, it. Yeah. A funny one, a game of again. How many times have I come on this fucking podcast and said like, it was a game of two halves? <laughs> but it totally was, wasn't it? Like the team that came out in the second half was like a completely different team to the the team that was out in the first half. They absolutely dominated us in that in that first half thoroughly deserved their lead we offered nothing we sat behind the ball we didn't press the ball and as I say yeah they deserved their goal but then second half it you know it was it was largely us for the majority of the second half I mean one one of the stats I saw in the first half was like one of those in the last five minutes I think mm. Brighton had something like 96 percent percent <laughs> possession yeah. I always fuck that one up. Percent possession. There you go. And that was kind of a that was the sign of the times of the first half. Just absolutely demolished them in the in the second half. I felt uh, even even the last ten minutes of the first half, we we changed formation and we just started playing a lot higher up the pitch and we put them under so much pressure. They made the mistakes they were making were were village. To be honest, they they looked bang average in the last ten minutes. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean. Going to Brighton, though, and ending up on a possession of 34% for the entire game is not really acceptable. I hate that we're, a, that we're not a possession team. I hate that so much. They've got no control of the game, can they? Like it's, not at all. It's been, it's been a problem for a while, and obviously whatever training, if any training that's been done by Bruce with having so many days off a, a week and whatever, like it's, it's obviously affecting the players' confidence because mm-hmm. even... Even the game before against Chelsea, like there were some times where they were, it could have easily been played out of the box because it weren't under that much pressure, but they were just kicking it away and finding not one of our players because they had Rudiger and Christensen who were just towering over Wilson every time and beating him to yeah. every header, and then they were heading it to one of one of their players in yeah. space. There, there was no just like ah oh, panic, get rid of it. Like it's going to come, I think, under under how and stuff like that. But it could have happened so much more in the Brighton game as well. Um, yeah, just feel slightly aggrieved at the end of the game where. Obviously, Wilson's Sue and the keeper cleans them out. It's annoying that there's not a, such a thing like in rugby where you can have a penalty try for things like mm-hmm. serious foul play like that. To have a penalty goal there and walk away with 2-1 would have been un- unreal. You know what I mean? What blew my mind is the fact that the referee didn't give it instantly. Like, <laughs> Kyle Wilson's threw on an open goal. Why is he just going to fall over? Like, and come to on. have taken so long on the fucking VAR decision as well. Like, surely yeah. that's just a. All right, there you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. blatant red card. Yeah. Also, that penalty. I'm sorry, I'm just going a little rant here. If that was Miggy, he would have been booked for taking a step and then throwing himself to the floor. Yeah, it's against yeah. us, and he's taken a step, then clearly thrown himself to the floor. There, there was there was contact, and if he'd gone down straight away, it's a penalty. But he's then taken a step. That's the thing. Literally, he simulated a dive. Which is a yellow yeah. card, it's a bookable offence. So why is he not being done? You've hit the nail on the head there. If he'd gone down under the initial challenge from Clark, then yeah, it's it's Stonewall like, but he's managed to end up on both of his feet after the challenge and then thrown himself down. That's yeah. I think that's the point that's pissing everyone off so much. Yeah, it's that half step and then just throws himself. They said exactly. that on um, on match day this morning. They were just like it technically because he got hit first of all, yeah, but it's it's his next step. He's gone, I'm he's still at the on. ball. Oh yeah. no, now we're doing Oh, I threw myself to the floor. Exactly. The VAR should have picked that up. 100% they should have. It needs, it needs to be considerable contact as well. It wasn't considerable contact. But also, the referee's first call, yeah, is to, to not give it as a penalty. 
But uh-huh. I thought there was this rule about it being clear and obvious that he's got to reverse his decision, which I, I don't think it was. I think Jake mm-hmm. Humphrey as well, who's sharp becoming a bit of a like a club ambassador for us. I don't know if you <laughs> saw his tweets and stuff, but he's like the, the amount of time and without the context. So slowing that down, like doing that in slow motion and looking at it and the referee, I can't remember his name, but he's just got one of those faces. You just want to fucking punch. Like he's, I don't know why it took so long on that decision. Then he had to go over to the screen and have a look at it. And I don't think the added time on like the end of the first half was, uh, you know, relative to the amount of time they actually looked at it. But that's by the by. I think the point is they've, they've slowed it down horribly. Like you're not looking at it live, which has a huge difference. And then ultimately he's, he's made the wrong call, I think, because. And then later on as well in the game, we had a penalty call with Clark being pulled to the ground. But only showed it, only showed it, only showed it once as a, as a replay went on a. Didn't even have a look at a second angle. Just how, how it goes at the minute, it seems. You know, he's dissected that penalty like from four different angles, all in slow motion. And yeah, as I say, Jake Humphrey like nails it on the head by saying, you know, that's not really giving it the proper context. You're not contextualizing it there. You're scientifically, you know, as I say, dissecting it, every single mm-hmm. part of it at different angles, at different levels of slow motion. And then clear and obvious I don't think so he's very level-headed Jacob I think he's class when he puts down Rio Ferdinand about things as well like oh. Rio Ferdinand was like oh he's bought players into the club then before trying to sell it and then Jacob Humphries was like well if I was selling my house I'd do it up first so I can make more money and he, he had he had he had nothing he had nothing to come back to and he was just like ah oh. <laughs> well Rio Ferdinand just chats absolute shit man I just I absolutely yeah. hate the man because he just it was that whole thing where he's you no know, backing Ashley so much and you know backing him and backing it's because he sells all of your fucking clothes in his shops yeah. Rio no but we won't again we won't get into that one because that opens another fucking angry Pandora's box but yeah I think the Brighton result as you say I mean I think it's a good point it'll obviously never happen the idea of a penalty goal but you're right if you're putting the two together and it would be deserving of one. And then obviously he gets sent off and they put Dunk in goal. And from the resulting free kick, John Joe Shelby just floats a <laughs> floats a ball to the back post or, you know, to the to the uh, to the side of the penalty box. And you're like Surely you've just you yeah, you've just got to work it a bit, like a few He's passes, got, yeah. take a short one and just have, and just hammer it at goal. Even just from there, yeah, just have one of them free kicks, like you hit flat and it just dips, just get something to dip in front of him. Just a bit of movement. Causing, causing problems, you know what I mean? You've got to do a stunting goal or whatever he's called. Like, it was dunk, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, just, just hit a target. Like, he's not going to catch it, is he? The ball's swerving around. Well, that's the thing. Number one rule when an outfield player goes in goal, shot on target. Yeah. Just everything's got to be a shot on target. Yeah, You've just got to test them. They obviously strangled the life out of Brighton, strangled the last few minutes out of the game. But at one point, we were like playing it across the back. Like, why is it not in their uh, half of the pitch? Why are we not just peppering that fucking goal? But I think we're, to be honest, I think the balance of play, probably a draw was the right, felt about right. I don't know if you guys agree. Sure, if you ask any Brighton fan in the world, they'll yeah, be fuming. strongly disagree with that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I think that yeah, the result was right in the end, given how it finished. I just, I don't understand why Graham Jones isn't playing around with the team a little bit more. I mean, I feel like Fetty should be back in the team. Yeah, uh, you're playing, uh, as I say, Kraft as a, a centre half. I don't know what Char- Fabian Scher's going to do to get a, a yeah. shout back in the, you know, back in the team. Mankio played really well when he's played. But we're playing Jacob Murphy. There's just a few question marks. Willock is not getting a look in. I think he's coming back from a bit of an injury, maybe, but he's not getting a look in. Just Joe Linton, who's been our best player. 
yeah, the last few weeks. He actually has been as well. You're totally right. I just don't. Why are we not experimenting? Why are we not trying to go out there and get the results against people like fucking Brighton? Try and change things up. Graham, you're supposed to be this tactical. I'm not going <laughs> to turn on him after the three games he's had because ultimately he's, he's picked up a shit team with shit tactics from a shit manager and you know we're not expecting him to turn water into fucking wine but well moving on from from one B side to another we've got Brentford next who haven't won since the 3rd of October in the league the Im- implementing change how how do you go about it then what do you expect how to do against Brentford oh that's a that's the million dollar question isn't it play with some intent i mean they've just been beaten by Norwich who'd not well, we've not won all season, but neither have they. But, you know, I mean, they're Norwich, they're rock bottom of the table, sack Daniel Farker. Just go out and play with a bit of intent, maybe change the formation round. I don't think three at the back is necessarily the, the, the right thing to be doing against Brentford. Well, they have been scoring goals, to be fair to them. Like, the only game that they haven't scored in the last previous, like, say, five is Chelsea. Whereas they scored against Norwich, they scored against Burnley, they scored against Leicester. And then they scored against two against West Ham. That was their last win. So they've obviously got some sort of goals or some sort of threat going that way. Mm. You can't leave it at the back and just focus solely on attacking. But at the same time, they are conceding as well. They've conceded in the last two against Burnley and Norwich. You'd say similar clubs to us at the minute. They've conceded five and two. So there's obviously obviously weak links as well. So it could be a really good one for neutrals to watch. Like. Uh Gray's going to go, oh, it's going to be a 5-6 this week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we need to necessarily like bunker down, but like just a four at the back should be good enough. You know what I mean? Just give us that extra man in midfield. I think what we're missing massively is that extra man in midfield. We've just been overrun by all these clubs and the possession possession all comes through the midfield. And I think that's why we're, we're so poor. Uh, what do you reckon, Gray? I, I just like to see us play on the front foot instead of sitting back and effectively playing on our own half and just inviting teams to play in our half. I just like... We, we look a completely different side and we put pressure on the ball and we showed that yesterday against Brighton from about 30 minutes onwards. Uh, we, we looked a completely different side so it's clear our players aren't fit enough to do that so we've got two weeks to try and sort that out. It's playing the front foot. Most of the teams are doing it now in the league but if you lose the, if you lose the ball, go win it back straight away. If not, just kick the fucker and give a free kick away. <laughs> so... Yeah, I just start to see us play with a bit more intelligence and more exciting football. I think, and I think it will come. It will. It will. But. Have you ever seen the the video doing the rounds at the minute and it's Eddie Howe kind of describing or analysing his tactics when they beat Chelsea? I don't know if you've no. seen it, but if you haven't, like, I'd, I'd highly recommend going on YouTube and looking for it, like Eddie Howe Tactics Chelsea or something like that. But he basically analyses what his exact game plan was and it's like it's really actually quite fascinating to see the level of work and you know seeing the workings of an actual Premier League football manager's game plan and then obviously the resulting and seeing it come good on the pitch but yeah I'd highly recommend going and watching that but this is what I mean he's going to bring that kind of tactical side and I don't know if against Brentford whether it's like a at this stage probably like a grind it out but you're totally right Gray like play on the front foot get to those second balls the number of times yesterday, Hodge, I think you touched on it as well, and against Chelsea as well, like not getting the second ball, not pressing the ball, and this is how we lose out, and this is how we, you know, have such shit fucking possession stats because we just never have a foot on the fucking ball. We don't seem to want to. In terms of players, I think I've touched on it there. Feddy, I think, needs to come back into the team. So Dubravka, Feddy, and Mankio for me need to come back in. I'd like to see Jamal Lewis given a shot uh, as an actual left back at left back. Willock comes back in for. Shelby and then yeah probably play Big Joe on the left hand side 
with uh, you know supporting Wilson. What do you reckon, Hodge? Not sure. I, I, I do think Lascelles needs time out. That would be my number one. Hundred percent to start with. He's making silly mistakes. Like one of his yellow card yesterday against Brighton that he got quite early on in the game. I think it was in the first twenty-eight minutes or something like that. He's on the halfway line, the kid, and he just comes straight through the back of him as an experienced Premier League centre back. That's not a tackle that you make at that point. They've still got a long way to go and still got something to build from there. It's not a tackle you should be making. But anyway, that, that needs to go out. I think Freddie, to come in for him, needs to happen. And I don't see Miggy starting. I don't like to see Miggy starting at the minute. But some people have been, saying he's, some people <laughs> have been saying he's class and he's, he's just not. like He just brings not a lot of the game if he's ever going to bring something. You need him to have his pace at the end to just try and ruin someone with a bit of speed. And it's a late, it's a late tactic that I don't really like using because it's a bit more too long ball. But at the, at the current current time, I don't see a, a, a spot for Miggy in the team. Yeah, but look at his smile. Don't care. How can you hate that face? You're totally right about Lascelles as well. By the way, I, I meant to mention that. Like he's he's just lost his mojo, hasn't he? Completely over yeah. the last couple of seasons. Like he's just it's just not there for him. I don't know whether that's something that Eddie Howe could instill in him because. Look at the two centre halves fucking Eddie Howe was working with for the majority of his time at uh, at Bournemouth. It was what's he called, Steve Cook. Steve Cook, yeah. And who was the other one that was next to him? Another kind of lumbering older older centre half, or was it someone like Chris Metham? It's like a I young. Who it was. Anyway, anyway, use Steve Cook as the example. Like he got him, he got him really firing. I swear he scored loads of goals like one season and uh, yeah, he had a good, he had a good for yeah, Bournemouth, but. The other example from Lascelles yesterday was when the ball was coming over the top that was clearly one to leave for Darlow. Oh, yeah. And then he just fucking heads it straight to a fucking Brighton player. And you're like, has there not been a call there? Do you think that's the right thing to do? Anyway, but yes, yeah, I'd love to see some changes. Obviously, we want it's a good time for, for how to be coming in. We don't play Brentford until the 20th of November. So that's a good couple of weeks um, for him to come in and actually start putting some stuff in place. We'll really have a good idea of, of what he can do, hopefully, after, after Brentford, after we smash Brentford. <laughs> uh, on that note, it's a long way away, but predictions for the game against Brentford. We're playing them at, at home, three o'clock on Saturday, the twentieth of November. Uh, eeny, meeny, miny, Alex, what do you reckon the score will be against Brentford? Tough one, I think. I'm going to say two-one to Newcastle. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Monsieur Hodgson, what do you reckon? I'm going to the game, so hopefully I'm going to see something oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, I've been invited to the game with uh, right. someone who does my quiz. Take me, which is very nice. Shout out, uh, Mikey. Perks of the think- quiz. I think it's probably just going to be a one nil winner for Newcastle. Interesting. Okay. Uh, what do I think it's going to be? I'm going to be positive here because you know I'm always the positive one on the podcast. Uh, I'm going to say we're going to smash Brentford one nil. There you go. Fun, fun, fun. There it is. There it is. <laughs> let's hope that we're. Let's hope that we're, we're all right uh, in the result. Anyway, uh, right. So that's that should just about wrap us up for for this episode. Apologies again. It's taken us so long to get an episode out. As I say, work commitments and everything have prevented us a little bit, especially over this, such an exciting time for the football club. Hopefully, we will get back on track with regular releases. We've got to do all the all the shout outs now, don't we? So you can find us on Twitter at TOTT Podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well. I think for the just by searching Talk of the Tune. Uh, Hodgy is pushing our Instagram quite heavily at the minute, aren't you, Hodgson? Yeah, what's, yeah, yeah. what's the handle? At T-O-T-T underscore podcast. Your friend is there on Instagram. There you go. Feel free to go back and listen to the rest of our episodes. You can find our podcast on most reputable uh, podcasting platforms. And if you feel so inclined, we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe. And then even further than that, give us a five-star rating. That would be great. I think that's it then. Thanks again 
for joining us. Gray, Hodge, enjoy the rest of your Sundays, uh, and we will speak to you soon. Bye. Have a good week, man. Bye. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, and you steal a last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.